following resource is from Welford Baptist Church. We asked, uh, we defined a couple of things. We asked a few questions. Uh, one of the things that we defined was worship, what worship is, and how we're going to look at that over the next several weeks, and how that definition is going to carry us through this, uh, through this study. And we're still on spiritual disciplines, as you can tell. Um, and this spiritual dis discipline is worship. And the way that we define the main idea that will carry us into the next several weeks is worship is focusing on and responding to God. That is worship. You focus your mind, you focus your heart on God, and then you respond. And that response often is, is a visible thing, right? It's an emotional thing. Um, worship often includes a physical response, okay? It includes singing, it includes lifting the hands, it includes praise, it includes, you know, some churches play the tambourine, okay? You're playing an instrument, right? Their, their worship often includes action, but worship goes beyond that and focuses on the mind and the heart, okay? Focuses on the mind and the heart. And we sort of ended on a little small note, and, and this is where we're going to begin this afternoon. The more we focus on God the more we understand and appreciate how worthy He is. So again, the more we focus on God, the more we understand and appreciate how worthy He is. Remember, we looked at several different texts. John 20 and Doubting Thomas, right? And Jesus uh, appears to Thomas. He appeared to the disciples first, minus Thomas. And then Thomas doubted that Jesus appeared because the disciples were like, Hey, Jesus came. He's, he, he was here. We saw His uh, hands and we, we saw the spot on his side. We saw the scars. We we know he was here. And and Thomas said, remember it. Maybe if you remember this, Thomas said, I'm only going to believe if I touch his side and I see his hands. If I see the scars and he he takes my hand and he puts it in the side, then I'll believe that he was here. Well, what happened shortly after that? Jesus appeared. Okay, remember we talked about. We don't know if he just strolled through a wall or a door. He didn't open anything because the door was locked. <clears throat> but Jesus appeared. And what did he do to Thomas? He took his hand and he put it in his side and he showed him scars on his hands. And Thomas's response is, my Lord and my God. That was a major response for a lot of different reasons, but the main reason is that it shows us that Jesus and his claim to deity, right, meaning his claim to being the Lord Jesus Christ, to being the Messiah, that is one of the proofs that we have in Scripture. Because Thomas responds and says, My Lord and my God. Okay? Right? Uh, we also looked at Revelation. Remember, we looked at all those different verses. If you were here, we went from Revelation 4 all the way through Revelation 5, verse 13. And we talked about how worthy God is. Right? How worthy is the Lamb that was slain. We talked about the elders and they're dropping their crowns down and they're bowing down before Him and the four living creatures, as weird as that may seem to us today, but the four living creatures who nonstop are worshiping God. And their responses are, are ascribing the worth and the value that the Lamb has. Worthy is He to be slain. Worthy is He to open the scrolls. Worthy is He to receive blessing and honor and power and glory and might. And we sort of finished with the last the statement, the more we focus on God, the more we understand and appreciate how, how worthy He is. So let's talk for a second. Um, there are going to be some slides behind me here in just a little bit. So this is sort of a side note. 
because we defined worship as focusing on and responding to God, and we also looked at the roots of worship and the word itself and how it used to be uh, written out as W-O-R-T-H-S-H-I-P, worth-ship, worth-ship. So in worship, we're ascribing value. We're attributing value to something. Okay? And as a Christian, when we worship God, we're attributing value to Him. We see how worthy He is of our very lives, of every part of our being. As Jesus commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. But I want you to hear me out for a second. And, and maybe I'm incorrect in my thinking, but I don't think I'm completely coming out of left field here. But if worship is something that we ascribe or attribute value to, what is one of the ways your generation, okay, and mine, really our culture today, what is one of the ways that we display to others what we value? What is one way? What is the first thing we like to do when we see something we find fascinating, cool? What is it? Post something on like social media or something. You post, you take a picture of it, you take a video of it, and you post it to social media. Now, Part of the reason why I think we do that is because we want people to believe what we saw. Okay? So I'm going to give you a couple of stories and I want you to say, yes, that's true, no, that's false. Right? Um, let's say someone is in Chicago, okay, and this person meets a famous person, right? What are the odds that they meet a famous person and they're not in a concert, they're not at a meet and greet, they're not at a, a conference? They just happen to bump into this person. At a pizza store in the middle of Chicago, that is pretty famous, but the celebrity walks by this individual, and the individual notices that they're a celebrity, that they're a famous person. They run outside, and what are the odds of that person being able to not only take a picture with that person, but to recognize them to be in the same restaurant in one of the biggest cities in America? What are the odds? Zero percent. Zero percent. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. Since Chicago on vacation, we went to Sears Tower. There was a three-hour wait. And I won't say this person is like an A-list celebrity, but in my life, Andy Mineo is a pretty famous person. Okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay? <laughs> All right? And uh, easy, easy there, son. Okay? All right, that's me pre-beard, okay? And before a good haircut. That's Andy Mineo, okay? All right, that's Andrew before he grew up too. Okay, all right. I envision your brother looking like that. Like this? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times when I would go eat lunch with him, his classmates would think I was his dad. Easy. Okay. Easy. But we bumped into him at a pizza place in the middle of Chicago, and what you can't tell in this picture right here. I know this is going to sound good on the recording, but what you can't tell in this picture right here is I'm terrified, okay? Because I listen to all of this guy's songs. I know all the lyrics, okay, up to this point. Now, this was 2013, so he didn't have very many albums, but the albums he did have out, I listened to all of them, okay? And I knew all the words, and he walks by us, and I said, hey, Andrew, is that Andy Minio? And he's like, yeah, let's go out there and talk to him. And I was like, okay. So I go out there, and... And Andrew, believe it or not, Andrew was more bold than I was. He said, I know Andy. Like that, okay? He goes, he turns around and his friends that he's with, his friends that he's with goes, Oh, you're a celebrity. You got fans. 
And so he comes over to us and he says, hey, what's your name? And I'm like, my name's Caleb. What's your, what's your name? He's like, Andy. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of knew that, sorry. Uh, anyway, so we took a picture and that was really cool. I had some of his friends back there. Um, another story, okay? What if I told you someone went to a basketball camp in New York City, in Brooklyn, and uh, some of you may be getting ahead of me, but, but don't get ahead of me, okay? Uh, let's say someone goes to a basketball camp in Brooklyn, New York. Population during a census from 2014 or 15, 2.7 million people in one borough in New York City. That's a lot of people, okay? So 2.7 million people, right? This person goes to a basketball camp, meets someone, becomes their friend, comes back home, okay? One year later, so there's even more people there, okay? Goes back to the same camp, person's not there for two days. Coming back from camp, they get on the subway, and they, uh, and I forgot to ask you if that was true or not, sorry, we'll ask but that story, this story. Uh, they're getting on the subway, and lo and behold, there's their friend that they, or the person they became friends with last year at basketball camp. Getting on the same train, getting off on the same exact stop. Would you believe that story? You would? You guys take people at their word. That is Alan. I met Alan at basketball camp, and for two days he didn't come, right? We're going down to the subway, and for many of you who have been to New York, you know what the subway is like, you know what the train is like, okay? New York is, is great. I love New York too. But Alan gets down the stairs, sees our group, and bugs out. And I do too. I don't know if you can tell how excited I am there, okay? I even rocked the headband for him. But, um, which was, was well used because all of that produces much sweat, okay? Um, and that locks it, right? Because uh, you hate it when it gets in your eyebrows and you rub your eyes and like your eyes burn. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No, I do. Okay, thanks. Appreciate it, all two of you. Um, okay, Karen, thank you. Thank, thank. Or the sunscreen. If I could equate it to something, it's sunscreen. You guys know what I'm talking about? You put sunscreen on your face. We're going to this at the beach in the summer. I don't need I'm going to be running down the beach like, oh, baby, because sunscreen burns my eyes, okay? Um, anyway, we're, all, we're getting, about to get on the subway train, and I mean, like, minutes before, like a minute before the train gets there, Alan comes down the steps, sees us, freaks out. There is a 1 in 2.7 million chance that I see this guy. And not only a 1 in 2.7 million chance, he's getting on the same train and getting off at the same stop we do. Now, to me, that's a God thing, okay? But a lot of the times, we won't believe someone's story because they don't have a picture of it. If someone come up to you and said, hey, I did a triple backflip off of two feet, you'd be like, there's no way. And I would too, okay? You'd be like, there's no way. But if what if they pulled out the phone and like, watch? And they, they do a triple backflip. You're like, okay, right. hey, you're right. You're right. So a lot of times we don't believe people, and, and I attribute, okay, uh, posting something in, in our culture today, we won't really believe somebody uh, and their story unless we see a picture or a video of it, especially if it's something we find very fascinating. Uh, hold on just a second for me. Um, there's, a, uh, there's a teenage girl that... And I don't do this on purpose, but she happens to live on the road that we, um, on the way home, and she's doing her TikTok videos outside every Sunday. Okay, every single Sunday. 
right? I mean, like the little whatever. I don't even know what they are. I don't have TikTok, right? But she's out there doing it, and, and, and everybody knows. I know exactly what it is. But the funny part is, is she just freezes whenever a car rides by. And it's like, we just saw you 10 seconds ago doing whatever this is, okay? Whatever that is, okay? We see it, right? Your phone's propped up. Everybody knows what you're doing, okay? But you see, if we're not careful with our social media, someone can take a cursory glance at our social media and see what we love and what we worship and whom we worship. Now, that is not the case for every single person in social media, okay? But it can be, right? It definitely can be. So be careful what you post, right? Be careful what you post on social media and understand that it's a, it's a tool, yes, for you to express what you love, but also whom you worship. God wants you to use that tool to display to others around you that He is greater, that He is God and there's none like Him. Right? So let's move back. Let's, let's think back to Revelation very quickly. Okay? We talked about how worthy God is and those, those passages of Scripture. But if we could see God the way they see God in Revelation right now, we would be doing the exact same thing they're doing. We would understand perfectly which, oh, I look forward to the day when I can see Him face to face. Because I will understand in that moment perfectly just how worthy He is to be worshipped. And so will you. But we're not in Revelation 4. We're not kneeling before the throne of God. We're not crying out, holy, 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 with the myriads and myriads of people and the four living creatures and the angels and the elders all in one accord in a thunderous sound. We're not there. Are we? We're not there yet, are we? Right? We're like the kids in the backseat of the car. No, we're not. We're not there yet. So, if that's the case, how is God revealed to us here so that we might focus on Him? What did God leave us with in order to see Him and to experience a relationship with Him? To see Him, to see how worthy He is, and to not only see that, but to experience a relationship with Him. What did He leave behind, if you want to call it that? I don't think He left anything behind. There's three things that God leaves for us to be able to experience Him and to worship Him and to see how worthy He is of our worship. Okay, first thing is through creation. Right? Romans 1.20. God is revealed to all man through creation. Okay? You can look up to the stars at night, and if you tell me that's just by accident, you're lying. You're what Romans also says, you're suppressing the truth. You cannot look at how unique us as individuals are, how your organs function, how your body works. All of the different things that have to happen in order for you to just have life. I mean, just taking a breath, it has to, well, for me, it goes through my mouth because I'm talking out of my mouth, okay? But maybe it goes through your nose, okay? I don't know what the rest of the process is, but somehow it gets to your lungs. Your lungs then push the air back out, okay? Is it CO2 it pushes out, I think? Okay, I'm just, I'm not very smart, okay? So when it comes to that stuff. Science and biology and all that good stuff. I don't know how to do that because I have a 100 inside. 
Well, how far to you? You were doing much better than I did. Okay, but just life itself is a miracle. Right? The fact that our bodies function in a normal way is a miracle. Okay? Alright, so through creation, through God's creative order, the way God made things, the sky, the mountains, the seas, the ocean, all of these things are visible signs that we have a creator. That there is a, a intellectual designer behind everything that we see. Alright? I encourage you, one of the things that we did on the way to Tennessee was we we took the long way, yes, it took forever to get there. Okay? We pulled off at one stop, right? And I know it was extremely cold, right? And we were not all prepared for that. But I was hoping that we would get out and look up to the sky. Because at that place you see more stars and more constellations than you can anywhere else around here, I think. And I looked up for a brief second because it was freezing. And also a bunch of teenagers were screaming, It's cold! Okay? Oh, we're gonna get in the van. What's the purpose? Okay. Alright. Heard plenty of that. Oh, where's my chips? Oh, my freedom. Okay. Alright. Heard plenty of that, too. There may have been a burp and a fart in there, too. But anyway, you, I looked up to the stars for just a brief second before I was um, distracted uh, by the wonderful distractions. And I looked up to the stars and I just thought to myself for just a brief second. There's no way we can see this and not think that someone created that. And to, to know that I have a relationship with a God who's put the stars in their place, who brings the sun up every morning and brings the moon up every night, that God and that Creator, I have a relationship with Him. Now, how do I have a relationship with Him? Through the Son, Jesus Christ, by the grace of God. Okay. So the first way that we can experience Him and have a relationship with Him and see Him for how wonderful and worthy He is is through creation. The second way is His Word, the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says to Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God. All of it, old to new. Every bit of it is breathed out by God. It's infallible, it's inerrant, and we cannot move away from that as believers. Okay? When I say it's infallible, it's inerrant, that means that it can't fall down. I'm just kidding, right? But it doesn't have error, right? Yes, that is a wonderful, yes. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and here's what it can be used for. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All right? So we experience God and see Him for how worthy He is in His creation, in His Word, the Bible, and in His Word, Jesus Christ. The Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ. And we have seen His glory, as John 1 says, glory, and He's full of grace and truth. I believe that's verse 14. Right? And uh, Hebrews talks about how Jesus is the exact imprint of His nature. Whose nature? God the Father. He's the exact imprint of His nature. The means that we have to see God, to know Him, to understand Him, to dive into the character of God is creation. Yes. But the main ways that we see God are through His Word and through His Son, Jesus Christ. Alright? Understand, and I just want to make sure what time it is. Awesome? Okay. i got 14 minutes. Understand something important, okay? When we find ourselves understanding and seeing God as He is revealed in Scripture, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that does that. Okay? So if we see God in the Scriptures, we open up this Bible... And we're amazed and we see how worthy God is. We see how awesome a relationship with Jesus is. We see how great the teachings of Jesus are. How great Jesus was. 
how he was the Messiah and is the Messiah and is the Messiah to come. When we see those things, that is a gift from God. That is a gift of the Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit opens up our understanding to see God for who He is. Right? And when He does that, when the Spirit does that, when He opens up our understanding of the Word, when we see a text as clear as we've ever seen it before, we often respond to that. We often respond to what we read. Right? I, I, can't, I can't read the verses in Revelation without getting excited. Without getting a little, not butterflies, but just, yeah, like, Jesus. <laughs> I can't help but to feel that way. Now, why is that? Because I know, by God's grace, how worthy He is. And He takes this imperfect, sinful man and shapes me and mold me into the image of His Son. And how imperfect my worship may be, but one day I will see Him face to face, and just like those elders, I will realize how worthy of worship He is. I want to realize that here too. Have you ever read something, and just keep this thought in mind, okay? Have you ever read a biblical text? Have you ever read a verse of Scripture, and you sit there and you read it, and you have to go back and you're like, that is awesome, I'm going to read that one more time. Or, you say, I've got to write that down. I gotta put that on my mirror, I gotta put that somewhere so I can see it because that is awesome. Praise God for that. What he just showed me in his word. Thank you. Or have you ever sang a song and the words of the song are so wonderful? They're so full of scripture, they're so full of life, they're so full of the spirit that you just respond and you lift your hand. Or maybe you cry. I've done that a time or two. I'm an emotional person. For those of you who are here at church Sunday, I cried Sunday. Okay? It doesn't take much for me to cry. It's just how God made me. Okay? Have you ever had that happen? You're in the middle of a church service and you just you cry. Or you lift up your hands in worship. Or you close your eyes and you think about the God that you're singing about. Or you think about how the truth that's being preached applies to your life. And you praise God for that truth. There is a song, and I, and I say this. I think I said this a couple weeks ago. There's a song that I, I can listen to, and it just flips my mind and, and puts my whole focus on God. It's in, in, in Christ alone. Okay, That's my favorite worship song of all time. Outside of maybe it is well with my soul and probably a couple others. Right? But I love that song. Why? Because there's so much truth in it. In Christ alone, our hope is found. Right? That's just wonderful. And, and if we sing that on a Sunday morning, you can look down towards the front row and I'm going to be like this. Okay? I'm going to be like this. Right? The time that we have during the invitation at the end of the message, before we get to the closing prayer, that time is the time to respond. And you see people either go to the altar, maybe people stand and sing. Okay? But that is a response. That response is worship. Why? Because you've encountered a living, holy God. God is most clearly revealed in Jesus Christ. Why? Why is that? Anybody want to guess? Jesus is God. <laughs> right? 
He's most clearly revealed in Jesus Christ because Jesus is God. Paul says in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the, the image of the invisible God. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. I encourage you to go read that. We also have, as I said earlier, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 3. He says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. So when we focus, when we focus on the person and work of Christ as found in His Word, we will understand what God is like. Repeat that again. When we focus or when we meditate as we have talked about that discipline before, on the person and the work of Christ as it's found in the Scriptures. This holy book, this holy word, we will understand what God is like. Let's look really quickly, well, maybe not too quickly, but uh, let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. New Testament, surprise. It's the last of the four Gospels. John 14, verses 8 through 11. And this is Philip. I'm just going to read this to you guys. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Seeing there in verse 9 can mean to gaze upon. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Okay, <laughs> and that's that's fantastic. But what what the word "seen" in verse nine? It means to gaze upon, not a voluntary passive glance. Okay, not like taking your cursor over the screen and just watching it just go over the screen. Because oftentimes when you just watch the cursor go over the screen, you really don't pay attention to anything that's behind it. It's not a cursory glance. Jesus isn't talking about, excuse me, Jesus does not want spectators for a peanut gallery. He doesn't want someone to simply comment whenever it's comfortable for them on how great He is. He doesn't want someone just to come and sit and be entertained. Trust me, if church is entertaining, if you're doing that on a regular basis just because it's entertaining to you, you got a pretty boring life. I'm just going to be straightforward with you. I'm not saying the church can't be exciting. most certainly can. But if sitting down and reading a book with somebody for 30 minutes and watching somebody else talk about it is fun, well, we got we got some check some checks and things, right? Entertaining to me would be like going to play a top golf or going to hang out with my friends. Jesus doesn't want someone who's just going to be entertained and be a spectator. He doesn't want someone to sit in his peanut gallery. He doesn't have one. God doesn't call us into relationship with Him to be amazed at someone else. I don't want you to be envious of anyone else. 
Why? Because they're imperfect too. Just like you are and I am. We're all imperfect. God doesn't save us so that we can sit on the sidelines. How, for those of you who play sports, how much fun is it just to sit there on the bench? It's not. It's not, is it? Okay, I can't tell you how many times I have sat on the bench, okay, and I've been asked to go get somebody else water. No, put me in the game so I can get myself some water, okay? Right? No, I'm not getting them water. They're like, who's a bad teammate? Well, I don't care, okay? I've sat on this pine for 40 minutes every single Friday night and Tuesday night. I am not getting them water, okay? I'm not going to stand up and give them a high five. I'm not going to throw them a towel, okay? I want to get myself a towel. Now, I may be a little selfish, okay? I admit that I am. But my, and just personally, my senior year of high school, I sat on the bench a lot and watched player after player go before me and get into the game. How frustrating is that when you have worked so hard? And the reason is, well, I just, you know, I just need to trust your athleticism. Why am I even on the team? I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, I don't get a, need to get personal. But, but it's not fun to sit on the sidelines, is it? Mm -mm. Jesus doesn't want people who are just going to sit on the bench. Jesus doesn't want people who are just going to sit in a chair and be comfortable or sit in a pew and be comfortable. He doesn't want that. God doesn't save you so you can kick back and wait on heaven. And, get, and you have your get out of hell free pass. He doesn't want that. He doesn't save you for that. He wants us to be uncomfortable. He wants us to challenge our faith. He wants us to step into boundaries that we don't actually know where it's going to lead to. And we don't have to have all the answers to be able to understand God's will for our life. You want to know God's will? Read his book. Jesus didn't die to simply save you from your sins, okay? That is a part of it, yes. Okay, That is a result of the life, death, burial, and resurrection and blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, But He shed His blood on the cross so that we can be justified, redeemed, sanctified, and saved, and also that we can have a right relationship with Him. But it's not just that. A part of sanctification, a part of being uh, uh, sanctified is growing, is challenging. It's not fun. It's difficult. It requires you to get off of the bench and get into the game. Don't mind what your coach is telling you. You go suck yourself in. Right? And why would he do that? Why? We're going to finish here. Why would God want to challenge us? Why does God save us? Number one, because he loves you. Okay? He sent His only begotten Son to die for you. But He doesn't save you and redeem you and justify you and sanctify you. If you just think for one second, for, for 30 seconds, or for the rest of your life, that God just wants you to kick back and relax. I want to warn you very briefly. Okay? If you do not have a firm foundation in the Lord Jesus Christ... When you graduate high school, there will come moments when, if you're, especially if you're in a public university, when you have a professor, or you maybe in the work field, whatever, okay? But you will have a professor, you will have someone who will run into you, and they will challenge your faith. They absolutely will. 
And if we have just simply sat back and enjoyed the entertainment and just simply sat back and never dug our feet in, sat back on the bench and just watched the game play out, never getting ourselves involved, you will crumble. Because your foundation is not settled on the concrete that is the Word of God. Your foundation may be settled on sinking sand. God is inviting us not to just simply enjoy our get-out-of-hell-free pass. God is inviting us to a deeper understanding of who He is. And He does that through His Word and through His Son and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our church, visit welfarechurch.org. Blessings.